talking in my throat this morning. Ribbit. Ribbit, ribbit. <laughs> Probably wondering about the sunglasses, or you just don't wonder anymore. <laughs> well, it's not that I don't wonder, but I just know you're up to something, <laughs> and you're going to tell me. <laughs> but this is a good look. This, this is a, you want to talk about a rocker look. You could definitely be fronting the band big time right about now. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Uh, the person I'm thinking of is Axel. That's the person I'm seeing. And that's that's what I thought when I. That was what I thought mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, because um, of an experience I had had. I'll wear the bandana when I'm out a lot because I I get skin cancer pretty easy. Yep. But then people look at the bandana and go, oh, you think you're somebody, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so after that episode, uh, one of the listeners wrote in, actually was a viewer, mm-hmm. that two things. One, he said, we're not making any sense. <laughs> <laughs> we're speaking in parables. That's mm, why. Sure, exactly. You're not getting it because <laughs> yeah. you don't get it. And then secondly, he wrote... Um, not Guns and Roses. You look like Brett Michaels. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> well, it was a toss-up between those two for sure. So I, I, I went with the Brett Michaels Aviators today. Yeah. Uh, it would make more sense with the guitar that it would be Brett. He has a, a, a fairly famous poster where he's mm-hmm. holding the guitar on his shoulder. Yeah. Trying to... yeah. Of course, you probably didn't have Brett Michaels posters on your wall when you were young i certainly did not <laughs> yeah i just yeah well, Farrah i missed Fawcett. that boat yep yeah, Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, oh yeah the famous Farrah Fawcett. yep i had joan jett lita ford i was digging the chicks the rocking chicks for sure <laughs> pat benatar pat oh man Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> we're just these guys, you know. Yeah, I'm Mike. Obviously, I'm Lance, mm-hmm. and we're talking guy talk here today. So I did something this morning. Go ahead. As I was going on my walk, because that's what I do now, I get up first thing in the morning, and I have a little time with the Lord in the Word. I have a cup of coffee, and then I take Ivy for a walk. As soon as it gets a little light, because I'm still a little freaked out about the pack of dogs yeah. that's roaming around our neighborhood. <laughs> I remember that. But I decided on my walk, and I didn't even decide before I went on my walk, I decided uh, on my walk, that I was going to go back to the very first episode of our podcast here. Yeah. And do you remember what the very first word was that came out on the podcast. The very first word. You edited this. Do you remember it? I do not. The very first word. And I was expecting, well, hello there. I'm Mike and I'm Liz. <laughs> you know, like we've been doing. Uh, but the very first thing after the ring, the little music, you know, was this. New. New. You don't, you don't remember that? I do now. Yeah. New. So the the very first episode was about the challenge of change. Yes. And I'm excited <laughs> because 15 weeks in, I believe that we are now landed on to, like we have gotten into our seats and we are ready to really dig into the meat of how we can approach and have 
and win the victory of change. Sure. The challenge of change. Changing the things that we that we want to change. Not that we have to change, not that we need even that we want to change. I'm excited. So I'm also excited about the fact that, well, it's exciting and frustrating, and then I'm going to let you dig in here. No, sure. But I'm excited and I'm frustrated with another thing about this, and I just have to say this. I'm, 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 I'm frustrated with the fact that Dawn is right so often. <laughs> she, oh my God. It's, uh, it's really starting to get old. 26 <laughs> years into this thing, into this marriage, and she is right so ridiculously often. So <laughs> the very first review that I got from her on the podcast was this. She said, you sound like you're doing a podcast for sleep therapy. <laughs> Your voice is like, and she was so right. I went back. And I listened, and this is how I was talking. <laughs> like, she's right. Well, are you are you connecting any dots there? <laughs> well, yeah. Because I, I I told somebody this the other day that uh, after that day you walked in here and you had this big secret to reveal to me, and you waited till the podcast was all shut down, and I thought you're quitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> moving to Texas or something. Atlanta, I have something to tell you. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I bought all this equipment. <laughs> and you said, I've gone gluten-free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're never going to believe it. <laughs> this is the setup. Yeah. Yeah. I have something to tell you. <laughs> um, but after you said that and you talked about how much better you felt physically, you're sleeping better, uh, I started kind of going back into my mind uh, analyzing you, mm -hmm. but I went back to those first few podcasts we did yeah. where you came in here and you couldn't stand up. Sure. You, you had to have a stool. I had to figure out a way to get a stool down here for you to have a stool because you were, you were just looking left and right all the time and, it's and true. wanting to sit down. And Man, I hadn't, I really hadn't connected that dot. You're the mellow would be a polite word. Sure. You were subdued. Your wife said you you got a funeral voice going on. Yeah. Putting people to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Standing here in a brain fog. Yeah. Trying to, you know, not freak out about the fact that I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be a part of this conversation <laughs> in the fog. Yeah. In the pain. In the pain. So, I mean, we don't have to go back to <laughs> the selling of the gluten-free life, but the dot that I have, here's the dot that I have connected. I have connected the dot of confidence. Yeah. That in the very beginning, I was not confident whatsoever. And that had something to do with, you know, how I was talking. <laughs> and you know what? Change. Change. I am experiencing change that I have wanted uh, forever, but not to a point to where I was ready to move, like go on, because I, it was still kind of hanging out in the camp of need to and have to and all that. But when I have finally determined myself in my mind that this is what I want, boom, it's amazing. Well, and I'm going to work on saying, well, I, I listened to this podcast like 22 times as I'm editing it, and yeah. I'm just driven nuts by my little <laughs> weird verbal habits. Yeah. Just speak, Lance. So, I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Welcome to the club. 
oh, I don't know what no, you were nothing saying. Nothing changes either. if nothing changes. Yep. And that uh, wisdom from somebody many years ago who had, you know, cycled through treatment, not psychology, but mm -hmm. rehab a few times. And mm -hmm. they, they walked in and they sat in a different chair and they're why are you sitting over there? You you always sit over here. And they said, last time I sat over there, apparently I didn't get it. I'm back here again. Hmm. So this time I sit here. Maybe <laughs> I get something this time. Nothing changes if nothing changes. That's it. And we're going to dig into a, a really important, critical, I think this is, I used to say 98%. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm, it's a very important, but it's probably 60, 70% of a lot of what goes on for us this next fundamental and if we can make this shift if, if we can learn to make this shift in our thinking you know 60 percent of our issues go away yeah fundamental number three will take care of another 30 percent four will take care of another 10 percent but this next one um it's it's conflict if you're in conflict conflict with exes conflict with kids conflict with coworkers. if you're sure. depressed if you feel guilt and shame this is this is the fundamental to get yeah so i, I kind of picture it because i'm a visual person i kind of picture this as fundamental number one is kind of the foundation so when when you're building the house you're you're laying the foundation first and then fundamental number four is really like the roof mm -hmm. that protects Everything else. Right. It's like if you get away from that, number four, then you may as well not even worry about the other three. And we will cover number four in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, on page 32 of the book, if you are just tuning in for the first time <laughs> or if you confused up to this point because we've talked about a lot of different things, but page 32, there's a nice summary of, of where we've come from to get to this point. And the summary, uh, you control how you think. Yep. This is the main point of fundamental number one. Leading up to talking about that was explaining how thinking works, how cognitive processes work, perception, um, shifting our perceptions, learning that we have power. And the, the thinking is what controls everything. And then in fundamental number one, that we control how we think and a, a certain way that we think that causes us problems in psychology we call cognitive distortions. Yeah. They're distorted ways of thinking. Yeah. So, excuse me. They, I know there has to be maybe everybody out there who's at the beginning listening to this going, no, duh. I know. It starts with, it's, I don't even know why I'm listening to this, but pay attention the rest of the day at how you think. It There's so much going on up here that we miss. There's so much going on up here that we allow to just control us. There's so much that is going on up here that we, we don't even recognize is a negative direction negative thoughts, trying to, again, control what we don't control, completely missing controlling what we do control. And it's so it sounds so elementary. It sounds so no-duh, but 
I'm telling well, you, it makes such a huge difference. And that's exactly why, again, that's exactly why Paul said, this is where it starts. Be renewed with transforming of how you think. If you've watched any of the, uh, especially the more recent uh, video of the podcast, yeah, what I've been doing is as areas that are covered by these fundamentals rise up in our conversation, I've been throwing the number on the screen. Yep, I've seen that. Yep, it's good. And all our thinking is, is important, but I'm trying to highlight when these concepts are coming into our conversation, when they're coming in, and we're two highly trained professionals who've worked on this for years, but we will still hear these things in our, our daily conversation. And at any one of those points, because they'll go across the screen pretty fast, there'll be a two and a three and a one, boom, boom, boom. Those are all three locations where the conversation can go off the rails because our thinking could go off the rails. And so many other things could go wrong in those points. And we're not aware. As we're, And the reason we're not aware is because the thinking occurs behind the eyeballs. Sure. So we can't see it. Yeah. <laughs> so like you were saying, pay attention to how you think. Test question. What is the computer program that your brain uses to process information? And you have the answer. <laughs> no. English language. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, that's not my first language. <laughs> right now, and if you're thinking, man, Lance is weird, later... What are you going to say to your friends? Oh, that guy's weird. The words going through your brain or what come out of your mouth, what comes out of your mouth, what's going through your brain. So how you think you're having a conversation with yourself all day long. Sure. Oh, yeah. And so if you listen for key words that come out of your mouth mm -hmm. or are floating around in your brain as you're thinking about stuff and, and that's why I, I boil it down to these fundamentals is obviously yes I know Dr. Kurzweil everything is much more complicated than this I get that but we rednecks we regular folk we can't think at that level and process information at that level like Dr. Kurzweil and Dr. Moeller and all these you know geniuses we have to have something to hang on to that we can use on a daily basis to catch this stuff happening. And that's where these fundamentals come in is I'm going to give you a fundamental today and I'm going to give you a couple of key words today. So when you hear those key words, if you're serious about changing your life, when you hear one of these key words, stop. Don't keep going forward. If you pull up to the intersection, it says bridge is out. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. <laughs> or you're going right off the edge of the cliff. And if you hear these words and you keep going, I guarantee you, you're going to go right off the edge of the cliff. Emotionally, you know, in, in a relation, you're going to do something you're going to regret two days from now. Emotionally, you're going to go off the edge of a cliff. And, and the reason being is these these words, they're not bad words, but they're clues to how I am thinking. Yeah. Yeah. If you find yourself in a, a life situation or scenario, or just basically this is how your life is going, where you say 
to yourself and to others that you don't like drama, but you constantly find yourself in the middle of drama, whether that's in your marriage or whether that's in work relationships or whatever it is, I'm telling you right now, this is one of the one of the best ways that you can begin to free yourself from drama because you control it. There are so many of these conversations that I have behind the eyes and right between the ears that I am making huge assumptions of what somebody else is thinking. Fundamental number three. Mm-hmm. Or what somebody <laughs> else that should be doing. Or how they're going to respond. And that's today. Fundamental number two is a filter. Uh, it, it is a way we think. And like we talked about earlier, uh, we have light filters that are sunglasses. And we choose the sunglasses we want based on the experience we want to have visually of our surroundings. Yeah. And thinking works the same way. How I think is simply a filter and my perception of things. And we talked about this and we looked at things differently. Well, a very powerful filter is called should statements. <laughs> I call it should happens. Should happen. Should, and they call it that because that's one of the key words we usually say right that clues us in to the filter we've loaded into our brain so we will say they should he should and it has cousins and this is in early on people would start arguing with me <laughs> why you you pay me and then you argue with me mm-hmm. well i didn't say should i said need to <laughs> but and so there's a list in the book there's a list of words we all have our favorite one you know, i'm a redneck so i say gotta a lot i gotta get this done should, must, have to, need to, gotta, supposed to. The, these are clues to this filter. And when I load this filter in, just like the sunglasses I had you wear before, when you looked through them, you could only see yellow light. Right. That was the purpose of the sunglasses. Yeah. Well, this filter, these sunglasses, is designed... After you load this filter in, you can only have one out of two experiences. Frustration and anger or nothing. Yeah. If I say they shouldn't have done that, I'm going to feel angry. But when they do what they should... 99% 99% of the time, I'm not going to notice it. Yeah. Unless you're a pastor and they finally quit doing what was hurting themselves. We'll get to that. That is the lie that we mistake for happiness and joy. And I'll show you how. Okay. But driving down the road, <laughs> you hit a pothole mm-hmm. and most of us will go, mm. We get mad. We hit that pothole. And then we think, man, city should fix that. Catch it? Yep. Should. Yep. I'm thinking the city should maintain the road. So when I hit a pothole, they have not maintained the road. Ergo, I get mad. 
when was the last time you went an entire city block, did not hit a single pothole, and pulled your car over and said, man, look at that. That is a smooth stretch of road right there. Mm-hmm. City's on the job. Huh. <laughs> we'll write a letter. We ride around for thousands and thousands of miles and never really notice the roads are maintained. You, you walk into work, the lights are on, the air conditioner is flowing, the carpets are clean, does not register even that things are as they should be. But let one thing be out of whack. You go to open the door and it squeaks. Hey, I shouldn't squeak like that. I'm calling maintenance. It's too hot. It's too cold. (laughs) They should turn the temperature up. They should turn the temperature down. But when the temperature is perfect, you walk in, it doesn't register. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. Even when it comes to your attention that things are as they should be, you still don't get happy. Lance should pay his electric bill. I don't want anybody representing my church who's not paying their electric bill. Lance paid his electric bill. Do you suddenly feel happy about me? (laughs) (laughs) I brought to your attention, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I put on boots today. My socks match. Right. Is it making you happy? Even though you know I've done what I'm supposed to do. Right. You have no positive emotional experience about it. Yeah. That's true. I I came in here and I was in a great mood, but it wasn't because you had the lights on and you had, you know, everything ready to roll. You had the, you had the computers ready to rock. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't even think about it. No. Other than did his job. (laughs) he's doing his job why should i get happy about that yeah yeah right no really i mean i my my employees show up to work yay right why should i be happy i pay them they should be here right this is how we think yeah this is how we think all day long and we will we will tell ourselves these things and we create this we're loading that filter so we can only be frustrated and angry if things are not as they should be or nothing when things are as they should be. There is no happiness or joy. This filter is not designed to create that. Now, we point the filter at ourselves. Hmm. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I need to get this done. I shouldn't have done that. When we point the filter at ourselves, when we point it at others, frustrated and angry with other people or nothing, when we point it at ourselves, frustrated and angry with ourself and that is called guilt shame we beat ourselves up oh i shouldn't have done that oh why did i do that i'm so stupid i shouldn't have done that should have done this i shouldn't have done that i need to get this done i need to get that done pressure stress guilt shame or nothing Mm -hmm. i am not standing here feeling proud of myself (laughs) yeah because i brushed my teeth right When I do what I am supposed to do, in fact, it feels really awkward when somebody compliments you for doing things you're supposed to do. Yeah, true. I just wanted to thank you for showing up today. Okay, this is my job, lady. (laughs) No, you didn't. You should. We're like, okay, you know, I just... Lance, your your shoes match. That is so wonderful that you took the time this morning to make sure your shoes each. You're not wearing a tennis shoe and a boot. Gosh, Lance, 
it it and it sounds so I'm weird. Waiting for that. It sounds so weird because after a should, we can't receive positive. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do or I'm not. And so I'm either feeling nothing or I'm feeling self-loathing, anger. We'll get to where this all goes here. Mm -hmm. But problem number one with a should statement, must, have to, need to, gotta, supposed to, is it creates frustration and anger or nothing, guilt or shame or nothing. Now, you referenced earlier a mistaken belief that you're happy when somebody finally does what they're supposed to do. And that is actually called relief. Okay. So if right now, if I leaned over and grabbed your arm and began to squeeze, you would start to feel a lot of pressure. <laughs> hey. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, that's we have a we have a, a listening audience. Right, yeah, I should have been going. Hey, 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 hey Scott, let go. Exactly. <laughs> In the days of radio. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. We have to do the audio sounds. <laughs> but no, if I start squeezing your arm, you begin to feel a lot of pressure, and you begin to whine and, and moan. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now, when I let go. You might go, oh, sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now stop and think a minute. Why are you thanking me? I didn't give you a good touch. Sure. I took away a bad touch. Mm -hmm. Your arm went from feeling nothing to a state of pressure, and then it returns to a state of nothing. And now you're calling that movement from pressure to nothing good? It's, it's just the absence of something bad. You're moving back to a state of nothingness. We do this to ourselves all day long, and we lie to ourselves. I'm standing here, and suddenly I remember a report. I got to get out by 5 o'clock today. <gasps> oh, my God, I got to get that done. I, all this pressure comes on me. I run around like a chicken with my head cut off. I get stuff done. I hit that button. Boom, it goes out. Oh, I feel so good. No, I don't. I just don't feel bad anymore. I was at a state of an emotional nothingness, remembered, thought, something I'm supposed to do, thought. Yep. Pressure comes on me. I run around and get what I'm supposed to do done. And now the pressure is relieved. And I'm calling the relief of the pressure a return to a state of nothingness. I'm calling that good. And we live our lives in this pressure cooker all day long, every day. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go over here. I need to be doing this. I should have done that. Oh, I can't believe I forgot that. Oh, my God. Write that down. Pressure, 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 pressure. Guilt. Oh, I shouldn't have said that to my wife last night. Oh, I was so rude. Oh, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have cut that guy off. We beat ourselves up all day long. We heap this guilt and pressure on ourselves. We put unreasonable expectations on other people. Well, he should have done this and he should have done that and he should have opened the door for me and he shouldn't have let it shut in my face and he should have let me pull in and he should speed up and he should slow down. All day, all day, all day. 
we are approaching our world through a lens that is designed only to give us frustration and anger, guilt, shame, pressure, or nothing. Gluttons for punishment. Second problem with should statements. They give away control. If I'm standing here and I've got an armload of boxes here that I need to get out to my truck and I pick them up and I begin to think, well, now that my arms are full, I'm not going to be able to open that door. Well, Mike should see. Mike should help out. Mike should walk over there and help me out. So when I go to the door and you don't move, I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to be thinking, he should have opened the door. He didn't open the door. I'm mad. Yeah. Now, think about it. You open the door. I'm okay. You don't open the door. I'm mad. Your decisions are causing my emotional experience. Fundamental number one, we agreed that's totally impossible. So how did you get control over me? You gave it to me. Now, people will say, you're allowing them to control you. No, you're not. Here is an example of allowing. Ready? Mm -hmm. Now, notice. <laughs> I'm, for the listening audience, I'm handing Mike a copy of 12.2. Mike reached for the copy, and I pulled it back, and he looked at me very angrily. <laughs> Notice two things had to happen for you to get this book. First, I have to consciously choose to extend it to you. Mm -hmm. And then you have to consciously decide you want it, reach out and take it from me. So in, when I allow people to control me, I am consciously giving them the control and they are consciously taking it from me. We give away our control. And when I give away something, you don't even have to know it. If I give you the control, if I give you this book, I may drop it in the mail, send it to your house. A week later, it shows up and you're like, what the hell is he doing sending me this book? I don't want this damn book, but I gave it to you. And for a week, you didn't even know, but I done gave it to you. And that's what we do when we say should, must, have to. We're giving away control of ourselves to other people. We're giving away control of ourselves to the past. We're creating these laws. You have to act this way. You should be doing this. And then when we hold ourselves to that law, we then search for a justification to do it. So, well, people should do this. Why? Uh, uh, the Bible. Bible says so. That's what you should do. Yeah. We are externalizing our control. It's the Bible's fault. It's my past's fault. It's his fault. It's her fault that I feel this way or that I'm doing that. And then we argue against being controlled by other people. Mm. Or we reject the authority, we reject the Bible, we reject the law because it's a stupid law. I shouldn't have to do that. Third problem with shoulds, they build resentment. So 
back to the door for a minute. I walk to the door. You don't move. I get mad because I'm thinking you should open the door and you didn't. Now, the moment you don't open the door, remember, what do I control? Present. Yep. What I think, do, and feel. So in the present, I think you should open the door. So in the present, I get mad. Now, one second passes. Now, this whole event is one second in the past, but I do my thinking in the present. Sure. So in the present, I think you should have opened that door. Because I do my thinking in the present, I get mad in the present. One minute goes by. I think in the present, you should have opened the door. So in the present, I get mad. One hour, one day, one week, time is irrelevant because I do my thinking in the present. Mm -hmm. And so the moment I think he should have opened that door, I get mad in the present because I'm doing my thinking in the present about something that's in the past. And people will say, why are you so mad at him? Well, he should have opened the door. When did this occur? Two years ago. Yeah. And I, I hear this all day. And here's the deal. People will want to come in. They'll want to work on their past or they'll want to work on their past relationships. Or, but if they're thinking, all our thinking is happening in the present. So these filters, we're pointing them at the people in front of us right now. But when we think about the past, we take these exact same filters and we point them at the past. Mm. And that's where the resentment comes in because you should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done this negative experience, negative experience, negative experience. I'm thinking about the past. So these resentments build over time. Now, before we go to the capstone on that, we point this at ourselves. Sure. So, Oh, I shouldn't have dropped out of college. Oh, I should have listened to my mother. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I needed to be doing this and I didn't go and do it. How dumb am I? Mm -hmm. And so when I look to my past, what I should or shouldn't have done, I feel the guilt, the shame, the self-reproach, the humiliation of it all. And two things begin to happen is as this weight piles on it, because here's the deal here in this moment, I am doing my thinking. So if I think about the one time you didn't open the door for me, I experienced one pound of anger. But if you didn't open the door for me twice in the present moment, when I think, well, last week he should have opened the door and didn't. And the week before he should have opened the door and didn't. I'm now experiencing two pounds of anger, three pounds, four pounds, However many times I bring into my mind that you failed to do what you're supposed to do, and this is where you see the straw that breaks the camel's back, is I'm blowing up over you not opening a door, and people say, Lance, why are you getting so mad? It's just a door. You don't understand. Every single damn time he comes over here, he doesn't open that door. (laughs) Negative Ned's in the room. Yeah, there he is. I, in this present moment, am bringing all of these past experiences and creating them right now. And this is what we do to ourselves. 
when I say I shouldn't have done this and I needed to do that and I, I shouldn't have done that and I was supposed to do this and I didn't do it and I shouldn't have broke my mother's heart, we bring all of that into the present moment, that's a heavy burden to carry. And so we start to feel depressed. And then the snake starts eating its own tail because why are you depressed? Well, because I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Now it becomes, you know, the validation of my depression is the things, and it's how I'm thinking about it. Right. Lance, you feel depressed because I'm thinking in terms of should statements. Well, why do you feel depressed? Because I shouldn't have done this, that, and the other. That's why I'm depressed because I am, I'm a loser. I, we, we just snowball into this depression. Sure. And it's this one simple sounding filter of should statements. Mm. They cause frustration and anger or nothing, guilt, shame, or nothing. They cause us to give away control to other people. They cause us to build resentments against people or to feel depressed about our lives. There is no joy or happiness after a should statement. There are periods of relief that we mistake for happiness. But the rest of the time, this is what the filter does, should, frustration or nothing, guilt or nothing. Now, I will hear people say at this moment, wow, I shouldn't be saying should. <laughs> That's the snake eating his own tail. Yeah. Well, well, you're right. I, sh I said I shouldn't say should, but I'm saying I shouldn't. I'm saying I should as I say I shouldn't. Oh, what do you do? So here is how to approach it. Who controls how you think? Mike. Yep. So when Mike listens to himself all day long, when Mike hears himself say should or must or have to or need to, gotta, that is a red flag, a clue. Stop and recognize I have just said they shouldn't do that. So I am now beginning to load this filter where I look at the world through this mental lens that is designed to bring me frustration and anger or nothing. So the question here is, is this a good way to look at this situation is it a good way for me to look at this situation sure yeah i control how i think mike controls how he thinks so when i say they should have done that i just loaded this filter that is going to cause me frustration and anger or nothing is this good for me right here right now in this situation i don't know so I give you a litmus test to run it by. Right. Is it a law? Sure. Can I have them arrested? Is this a reason to fire somebody? Is this a legitimate reason to sue somebody in court? Is it a law? So here's how it works. If I'm driving down Kellogg, Somebody goes by me at 90 miles an hour, about takes off my front bumper, weaving in and out of traffic, and I get mad and I shout at the windshield, you should slow down. 
wait a minute. I just said he should slow down. I've loaded the filter into my own brain. <laughs> Is that a law that he should slow down? Yep. Okay. Since it is a law, this filter is a good way to look at the situation. Right. Now, here's the deal. When we put a should on somebody else, we put an equal and opposite should on ourselves. If somebody's driving crazy on Kellogg, weaving in and out of traffic, does Lance have the right to now chase after him? <laughs> Pull him over, yell and scream in his face. A lot of people think so. Do I have that right? But no. No. So, if they shouldn't drive crazy on Kellogg, how am I supposed to respond? Pull my car over, call 911, make a report, or do nothing. It it may not be, I I don't have time, I got to go. I take the next exit, I'm off to work. Then shut up about it. Right. If you're not going to do anything about it, shut up. Right. But if somebody's driving crazy on the highway and you say they shouldn't, now you are supposed to respond a certain way. You don't have the right to chase after him and yell and scream at him. You're supposed to pull your car over. If you put a shit on somebody else, you're putting a shit on yourself. <laughs> you're shitting on yourself. How many times people come up to you in church and say, you know what the church should do? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to talk about it. Right. And Pastor <laughs> Wallace very often. Pastor Wallace had the best answer. Yeah, it's a great idea. Come up with a plan. Come meet me uh, next week. We'll sit down and talk about it. Get some volunteers together. We'll, we'll see about getting your program going. Sure. What? I didn't mean me. Mm-hmm. If you put a shit on somebody else, you're putting a shit on yourself. Sure. You have a right. If you go to McDonald's, you order a cheeseburger, they bring you a fish sandwich. You have a right to yell at the little guy in the paper hat. What are you supposed to do? I'm picturing it. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your burger, sir. That's a fish sandwich, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you have a right to do that? No. You're supposed to call the manager out, show him your receipt, explain the confusion. If you put a should on somebody else, you are actually putting a should on yourself. Yeah. So we're going to extend that just one second because people are like, okay, I think I'm getting it. So if I'm driving down the highway, somebody goes by me at 90 miles an hour and they shouldn't drive so fast, I don't have a right to pull them over and yell and scream in their face. That's what you're saying. If my son comes in and he doesn't take out the trash, do I have a right to yell and scream at him, pull him over, get in his face? I did that this morning. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Is it a law that your son carry out the trash? No. Well, it could be. Dad's law, house law. I mean, this my house, my house, my rules. Okay. So if I say, son, you want to live here under my roof, here's what you're going to do. It's a law. You're going to carry out the trash. You're going to mow the lawn. When he doesn't do what he is supposed to do, we don't have a right to yell and scream at him. And it's really not even effective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If your son is not doing what he should do, as a parent, how are you supposed to respond? So this changes the whole equation. Sure. Now, if the answer to the question is no, people should open the door for me. Is that a law? Nope. Can I have you arrested? Nope. 
So if it's not a law, it's not a should. Sure. Well, what is it? A preference. Yeah. If I say you should open the door, I'm looking at it through this lens that I am wearing. My Brett Michaels aviators. But if it's not a law, what can I do? I can change how I think. I can take these sunglasses off. I can pick up these sunglasses and put them on. A new filter. A new way of thinking. Preferences. What would Lance like? What would I prefer? What would be nice? What do I want? Right. Now when I'm thinking, what do I want? Hey, you know, I'd love some help getting out that door. I'm not going to be able to open it with my hands full here. What might I do right about now? I'd love some help with this door. Maybe you ask. No, boom. Notice. Check it out. So much is happening. You're not even aware. I said, how you think what you do lead to what you feel. Mm-hmm. How you think brings to mind what to do. Sure. If I'm thinking I would like some help, it seems like a dumb question. What am I going to do? Well, you're going to ask. You gave me a sour face. You got to ask. But if I am thinking you should open that door, am I going to ask you to open the door if you should? You're going to tell me with a crappy look on your face. How many times you heard this one? I shouldn't have to ask. They should know. (laughs) (laughs) And the shoulds start piling on themselves. If I'm thinking you should open that door, asking goes to the bottom of the list. Sure. Something else rises to the top of the list. Right. So if I'm thinking I would like your help, it would be nice. So, hey, Mike, can you get the door for me? And you say, no. (laughs) It's liable to happen. Oh, my goodness. Check out what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. We're both smiling. We're both laughing. How you think controls how you feel. Yeah. So I ask you to open the door. You say, no. My emotional experience is (laughs) whatever. This is silly. Sure. I'm disappointed. Yeah. And what the listening audience can't see is that when I ask Mike to help the door, open the door, and he says no, I lean away from him. I, I turn my head away from him. Now, when I asked, I leaned in. When he said no, I leaned back. When we ask other people for help, why do we lean towards them? Hey, will you help me out here? Hmm. And we smile like this is going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, will you help me out? And they say, no, we lean away. We turn our face away. Because intuitively, I know I can't control you. So I lean in trying to partner with you. And the moment you say no, I lean away because you don't control me. Hmm. Option A, ask for help. Option B, do it myself. Option A, ask for help. I look at you. No. Option B, I turn my head away from you because I'm turning my mind away from you. Hey, will you help me out? No. Okay, whatever. My emotional experience, disappointment. <sighs> now, if I'm thinking you should open that door. You can keep leaning in. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. He's going to make me ask. I can't believe it. <sighs> Hey, will you get the door? 
And you're already uncomfortable. Yeah. Hey, will you get the door? And you say no. Nah. What? Yeah. What? Right. Notice when I asked the second time, I didn't lean towards you. I, I like stake out my territory. Mm-hmm. Hey, will you get the... I'm asking a question, but it really doesn't sound like a question. Right. Hey, will you get the door? And when you said no, I started towards you. I just handcuffed myself to you. Hey, get the door. No, what? Get the door. No, I'm going to come around this table and I'm going to make you get that door. I gave you total control over me. The instant I thought you should be opening that door, I'm studying you. My radar is on you. Are you moving? Are you looking? Are you getting up? Are you heading that away? I, I shouldn't have to ask, but here we go. Will you open the door? No. Get the damn door. Look at my emotional experience. I'm frustrated and I'm angry. Who created this? You, and I'm out of here. How I think brings to mind what to do. How I think what I do lead to what I feel. Mm -hmm. When I ask you to open the door because I want some help and you say no, I feel disappointment. So, if I don't want disappointment in my life, I don't ask. I'm going to need some help here. Mike doesn't look like he's in a very good mood. I think I'll just get it myself and go on. I don't feel disappointment. Sure. But I rob myself the opportunity to actually feel happy. Remember, I control what I feel. Mm -hmm. So I would like some help. I think I could ask. I do ask. Now, you know what that's called? <laughs> Pursuing the dream. How many posters have you seen where they say, dare to dream and reach for the stars? Yeah. I had a dream. I would like some help. I decided to pursue my dream. I could ask. <laughs> so, uh, Mike, will you help me out? And you say, sure. <gasps> hey, thank you so much. I feel happy. Who created the happiness? By how I think about this situation i would like your help i dare to ask you say yes now i am getting what i want yep maybe that connects ye have not because ye ask not so you're gonna go scripture on me huh i got a parable for you i can't help it <laughs> The parable of Jesus visits the home of Martha and Mary. Mm. And it's really short. And, and when this you know, clicked, this is six, seven years ago before I knew how to study the Bible, before I realized how I study textbooks. If I brought that into the Bible, I might actually learn something. You bet. And so I was plowing through the Bible one night, honestly, just to find a scripture I could tag on to the class I was teaching at your church. So it looked churchy. Okay. But as I was reading through the Bible, I came across this parable that I've read before and I just never understood it. So I kept moving. Right. Like, what the hell is this doing in here? What do you mean? Yeah. So I'm reading it. Jesus visits the home of Martha and Mary. Angels begin to sing. The letters begin to float off the page in gold. The wind begin to whip in this very room. That didn't happen, but <clears throat> it's kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah. 
Jesus visits the home of Martha and Mary. Martha sets about making all the preparations. Oh, yeah. Mary sits in the living room listening to Jesus. Martha comes into the living room and says, look at her. Well, I do all the work in here. You need to tell her to help me out. What in the world am I supposed to get from this? Right. Ah, and I got it. Suddenly, it, it hit me. Jesus visits the home of Martha and Mary. But back in the day, they didn't have cell phones. So he couldn't call ahead. No heads up. <laughs> That's the grand illusion. But do you like unexpected guests just dropping by the house? We don't even answer the door. Nine o'clock at night. Hello? Hello in there? <laughs> <laughs> Say it's a board member. You know, oh, no. What are you? Oh, my God. What time is it? You open the door. You're like, Don, get the, get the, get the beer cans out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, come on in. That is so stressful. Mm -hmm. We don't like it. And the other thing going on here, Mary, she's goofing off in the living room. Lazy. She needs to be in the kitchen, getting the biscuits ready, getting the biscuits ready. Sweeping the floor. Sweep the floor. Sweep the floor. So we have, forget the details. What we have is a universally stressful situation. Nobody likes an unexpected guest. And we got somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing. So that's the scenario Jesus is dealing with in this moment. Yeah. And so you have to hear the three things Jesus said to her in just smackdown fashion. Martha, Martha, you stress yourself out so much. Ta-da! You get it? Fundamental number one. She should be helping me. Before we get there, fundamental number one. Who stresses Martha out? Martha. Notice. Now, Dennis was always big about saying, the word is the truth. It's mm -hmm. God breathed. So, if Jesus is saying, Martha, you stress yourself out, what did he not say? Martha, I know I didn't call ahead, right. but there are going to be times in life where this situation just might be a little stressful and outside your comfort zone, and you're going to have to learn how to deal with that. He didn't say that. He didn't blame Mary. Now, I know Mary should be in there helping you out, but she's in there listening to me. But you got to remember, I made her. <laughs> she's a little special. Yeah. There are going to be people like this in your life. You're just going to have to learn how to deal with them. He didn't say that. Right. He had every opportunity to blame the situation or blame Mary, but he did not do that. He put the responsibility for Martha's stress 100% at Martha's feet. Yep. First sentence, smackdown. Second sentence, Martha, Martha, you stress yourself out so much. There are very few things in this world that are actually needed. In fact, there's only one. Needed. Mm -hmm. Needed. There are very few things in this world that are needed. She had said, she needs to help me out. You need to tell her. 
And his response is very few things actually needed. He's talking about how she is perceiving the situation. From Martha's perspective, Mary needs to help her out, and Jesus needs to tell Mary, oh my God, here's Martha telling God what he needs to be doing. Yeah. And Jesus' response, very few things actually needed. In fact, there's only one. Now, in another podcast, we can try to figure out what that one is, but it ain't bacon biscuits. Sure. It ain't opening the doors for people. Right. It ain't what so-and-so said on Twitter. Exactly. Third sentence. Mary has chosen what is better. Yeah. And that will not be taken from her. How do you know what is better? Well, it depends mm-hmm. on what you want. Sure. Which is better, the Caribbean islands or the mountains of Denver? Which is better, a good book on a rainy night or a big party with lots of people? What do you want? And so here he is juxtaposing two frames of reference, two ways of thinking about a situation should, must, have to. She should be helping me out. She needs to help me out. You should tell her. She needs to do this. You need to. You should. A way of thinking. And he says very few things actually needed. Fundamental number two, should statements versus want. Change how you think. Martha thinks in terms of shoulds. She gets herself stressed out. Gives away control to Mary. Martha's in there yelling and screaming at Jesus about what he should be doing. Because this whole thing is so stressful. And he holds up Mary as the model. Mm -hmm. She has chosen what is better. In all situations, you have choices. In all situations, what would be better? Well, it depends on what you want. Do I... There are other places in the Bible where people came and poured $10,000 worth of perfume on his feet and washed his feet with his hair. Mm -hmm. They served him behaviorally. And when other people got mad about it, he said, no, that's cool. It's not about what you do. It's about what you're thinking. Yep. She wanted to spend time with Jesus so she chose to sit in the living room rather than fixing you know, the, the egg salad tray. She chose what is better. And the crazy thing about it, Jesus is telling us, when you choose what is better, when you choose what you want, that's not going to be taken from you. So, the cognitive distortion is shoulds. When I say should, must, have to, need to, I'm loading this filter into my brain that is going to cause me to feel frustration and anger or nothing, give away control to other people, build resentments, depression. Or I could think differently. What do I want? How do I want things to be? Of the options in front of me here, what would be better? And when I think that away... I open the door to feel disappointment if I don't get what I want. 
I would love some ice cream tonight. <gasps> oh, I ate it all last night. Darn it. But notice what happens. Uh, Brahms is still open. Option A, boom. Option B, I'm still pursuing what I want. Or it may be nothing. I get the fridge and eat the ice cream and eh, just another night. Yeah. But I open the door to experience happiness and joy when I'm thinking about what I want, when I'm choosing what would be better. Because once I get what I want, I can feel happy about it. I would love some help opening the door. Hey, can I help you out? Yeah, that would be great. A little joy just came into my day. Who created this joy? Lance, you didn't create it. I created it. That is the beauty of all of this. 100% of what I experience is controlled by me, by how I think and what I do. And this is fundamental number two. So the homework in the book is just meditate on that for a day or two. Yeah. Listen to how you think. How many times are you actually saying these words? Should, must, have to, need to, gotta. And sometimes people will do the homework literally and they'll come back in with a sheet of paper and they'll say, I got about three hours into my day and I checked off 74 times. Yeah, I, I had to stop because I couldn't even do my job. I was writing on this stupid piece of paper so much. Yeah, I get it. I say this word a lot. Well, the word means I'm thinking this way a lot. And so once you kind of get a bead on how much this is a part of your vocabulary, which is how much it's in your mind, how much you, time you spend thinking this way, once you get a bead on that, then challenge your thoughts. Whenever you hear, should, must, have to stop and say, is that really a law? Can I have them arrested? And if the answer is no, step back and rethink the whole situation and write down what you actually want. Yep. He should speed up. Uh, it's not a law saying he's got to drive 90 miles an hour <laughs> on Tyler. I would like to get to work on time. And if I don't make it on time, I'm disappointed. But whose fault is that? Is it the other driver's fault or is it Lance's <laughs> fault for not leaving the house earlier? Mm -hmm. Accounting for potential traffic. I'm, I control it all. Yeah. Well, I'm already off and doing the homework. I just said should three times in my head. <laughs> Since you gave the homework assignment. Yeah. Yeah. And this so it's is, kind of a constant. It's like a, it's a reboot. Well, the way I, I take into explaining it lately, you are thinking 24-7. There's nothing you can do about that. That's right. what your brain does. You start the engine, the engine idles. That's what it does. So you don't control whether you think or don't think. Right. It's You're going to think all the time, but just like the car, you control whether you're in drive or reverse. What you're doing with the engine idle, well, we control how we think. Mm. And, and so listening to our thoughts, and this is, this is it, I can't emphasize this enough. Each time I say should, I experience frustration or nothing. Each time I say should about myself, I experience self-loathing or nothing. So some of them are very, very small. 
You know, oh, I should have been out of here by now. Oh, I should have done this. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. They're small, but those add up. Oh yeah. Throughout the day. And at yep. the end of the day, how was your day? Oh, it was so stressful. And I go through complaining about how my day went. Yeah. But each one of those little things begin to add up. So if I can make this shift half the time, I just reduce half my burden and I open the door to now bring in positive experiences. I would like to get to work on time. Hey, look, the light was green this time for the first time in two weeks. That's great. Now I'm there on time. I would like my key to work. <laughs> look, it works. I would, you know, what would you like? How would you like things to be? And so when those start happening, you start feeling little moments of joy and goodness. Yep. You're bringing happiness into your day now. Yeah. So tell me if this is a, a correct example. Uh, last Saturday, my truck broken down in the driveway, had uh, a mechanic who was coming over. He had sent me a text. I sent him a text saying it, it wasn't running quite right. Wanted to see if he could come over and take a look at it. He sent me a text back. He said, would you have any time this afternoon? I said, absolutely. I'll be here the rest of the day. Didn't show up at two, didn't show up at three, didn't show up at four, didn't show up, didn't show up. So normally I would be very frustrated. In fact, I started to go there. Absolutely started to go there. Frustrated. He should have never said he was going to come over if he didn't plan on coming over. And so Don got home and I'm shooting all over the place. You know, shit happens. And so Don, she says... Boy, I hope he's okay. And that was just like, okay. So what do I want? I want him to be okay, but I'm going to call another mechanic. Right. I don't need to be mad that he's not here. I don't, I don't control that. Right. So I'm just going to call another mechanic. Got a hold of somebody else. And now I'm thinking, so this morning, just to tie this in and then we'll wrap this up. <laughs> uh, the, the Jesus Calling devotional talked about how today the path that God has already set out for us today is filled with treasure. Yes. If we are looking yes. for the treasure. If you're and looking for it. Yes. And some of this treasure is actually trials that God wants to use to free us from the trappings that we have set ourselves in. And so the trial that I, I could look at that you know, mechanic not showing up as a, uh, as a burden, or I could look at it as this next mechanic's actually going to fix it a way that he might not have known how to do. So uh, put a positive on it. And this is how I'm thinking now. This is because she reminded me, Dawn reminded me uh, that I need to be concerned instead of mad Need to and be. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. See, I'm busting it up right myself. But the, <laughs> what I'm trying to point out <laughs> with, with with too many words is I, I was shooting all over the place. Yes, and and it was doing nobody, especially me, any good. Well, and at the end of the day, what do you want? Right. I, I want my truck fixed. Right. I asked this guy. He said he could be there today. He didn't show. He didn't show. He didn't show. I want my truck fixed. Option A, this guy. He's not showing up. Option B, 
find somebody else. Now, I wanted it done today, so now I, I'm disappointed. Sure. Because I'm not getting what I wanted. Right. Option B, I want to talk to the next guy, and I want to figure out his schedule, and I want to know when I might be able to get what I want. Yeah. And so now I turn to the other. Now, the, I'm not saying it's a mistake. It's human nature. But, hey, maybe this guy is the guy who's going to fix it the right way. And he would have done something. The other guy, we're now getting into fundamental number three, predicting futures, predicting what. <laughs> yeah, I don't true. know true. what the future holds. I don't know why God did what he did. I don't know if this is part of the plan or not part of the plan. But I do know that if I just stay focused on what I want, yeah. and what I want is what God wants, and if I'm trying to walk that walk side by side with him, that somehow or another, it's all going to work out Yeah. well. Yeah. And it's going to be treasure. Wonder if it's, if it's, if it's God's will, it's going to be treasure. If, if I want this guy, if I genuinely want <laughs> this guy to be okay. Right. And come two hours into it, I haven't heard from him. Oh my goodness. I hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. Then I call him and say, you Okay. And then he may say, oh, I got a flat tire out here on Kellogg. I can't, I'm not going to be able to make it there on time. Okay, well, look, you go take care of that and just call me whenever you know you get free again. In my mind, though, I'm like, I'm calling the next guy. Yeah, sure. It's not nothing personal. Right. But I want my truck fixed. Right. And he's got something going on. That's fine. Maybe next time I catch him. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Yeah. It, it, you, you keep resetting the, the fundamental stance to move forward, you keep resetting that each time you think it. What do I want? Now the past is kind of irrelevant, other than maybe as a guide for the future. I called him before, he couldn't make it, so I'll call somebody else. It's not personal. Right. What, what do I want? Yep. So, no, that is a perfect example of how, and this is in our language, it's in our vocabulary, it's in our daily experience, because had she not said that, no, not you, but had she not said that, you might have ended up at the bar that night sitting around for three hours complaining about this guy who didn't show up and said he's going to be there. Mm-hmm. So your whole evening would have been ruined. Right. As you complained about what should or shouldn't have been. Yeah. Giving control to somebody else, giving control to the past. Exactly. <laughs> so, fundamental number two, shoulds. Versus wants. Hopefully, you're beginning to understand it now. Go back and read the chapter. Listen to this again. Tune in next week. Whoo! Fundamental number three, big one. Fundamental number three is next week. So we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. Get the book because reviewing after each episode and then almost like just go back and forth ping pong this thing chapter to and then listen chapter and then listen chapter it's what it's gonna it's what's it's still taking me to do this is just continuing to work on it yeah i didn't get here overnight <laughs> right I, I, what i do eight hours a day and it took you know a number of years for it to really begin to click for me my, my hope is that by boiling it down into these digestible, simple terms, other people start to get it more quickly than I did. 
and, and they, they start seeing the value of it, start changing how they experience things much more quickly than I was able to. Sure. And that is, you know, we talked last time, the cheat code for success is yep. consistency. consistency, repetition, consistency, doing the same thing over and over time. It builds, success starts to happen. Yep. Awesome. I am Lance. I am Mike. And we are just these guys, you know. Mm -hmm. Have an awesome week. See you next week. Mm -hmm.